Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us every weekday at the same time. Uh, we just finished a series with my sister, uh, who is the senior pastor of the church I attend, uh, on her book called Unblemished. And for the last several weeks, probably even the last two months, we've been dealing with some scriptures that deal with behavior issues under the New Covenant. I think it's one of the questions that we get asked a lot of times uh, when we are teaching and traveling sometimes is, how does behavior work? under the New Covenant. And uh, we're going we're to address some of those issues again uh, for at least the next couple of weeks, and uh, I, I think that it will be a blessing to you. Uh, let me say very quickly, if you've missed any of our programs, you can go back to uh, YouTube and watch them at your leisure. Everything we've aired to date is there available for you to watch uh, uh, on demand. Uh, if the, uh, there's also a, uh, I, I, there's a iTunes podcast that you could sign up for, and there is an RSS feed for the audio portion of this program. Uh, the easiest way to get any of that is simply to go to our website at linhouse.com, and that website is on the screen. Uh, you can There's a direct link just in the upper right-hand corner. There are icons that are pictures of like YouTube and the iTunes icon and uh, the Android uh, RSS feed. If you tap those, they will take you directly to uh, those uh, outlets. Uh, we encourage you to sign up for our podcast and for our YouTube stuff. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything, and um, it, it, it would be a blessing to you, I believe, if, you would, uh, if you'd if you like to know every time we upload a new program. Uh, there are people that are pulling these down and using them actually in home groups, small group settings, uh, in Wednesday night um, services and Bible studies to be able to have some dialogue concerning some of these things. I was thinking though before I came on camera, uh, the fifth chapter of Romans in the Message Bible says this, and I love how the Message Bible brings out some things, although I believe there are multiple translations that, you know, seem to emphasize one or the other, and we're not really just set on any particular translation. And please, don't, don't send me any uh, hate mail over, we ought to use a certain Bible. I, I already know all that and, uh, and uh, just disagree with the fact that there's one that's more accurate than the other. Uh, actually, there are more manuscripts today than there's ever been, so there's more stuff to check it against, and our translations are getting better and better as we go. Some are transliterations and some are translations. And I understand that, that they're paraphrased, but it helps me to say some things to you more clearly and helps people to understand uh, what is really being said there. Uh, Romans, the fifth chapter, though, and I love how it says this in the Message Bible. It says, here it is in a nutshell. One man did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, and another man did it right and got us out of it. Now that's very powerful in itself. Uh, you know, um, the first man, Adam, did it wrong and conveyed sin upon the entire human family, and the last man, Adam, or the last man who was Christ, the last Adam, uh, reconciled us to God by the death of His Son. Now we're reconciled by His death but we are saved by His life. Now, let me say what happened. See, I've thrilled a lot of crowds by preaching 
the first part of that. Here it is in a nutshell. One man did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, and another man did it right and got us out of it. But here's what the next part says. But more than just get us out of trouble, He got us into a life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. In other words, He didn't just come to get you out of trouble. He came to give you a life. Uh, you know, we did a series probably, I think it was over four weeks ago, uh, probably, actually we began that series about eight weeks ago. It was about a four-program um, four series called You Will Recover Your Life. Because the gospel is really not just about a ticket to heaven, while it includes that. It is much more than that. I, I, I think it's such a sad and tragic thing that most people think that uh, the gospel is about how you get to heaven one of these days, and certainly that includes that. I'm not taking anything from that reality. But there's a lot of people who are missing the abundant life that God intended for them to live right here as citizens of the kingdom of God right now. I made a post a few weeks ago on my Facebook page, and uh, what, and it, 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 it almost you know went viral. Several people you know, just shared it everywhere, and it was, I simply made this statement, inheritance is not something you get when you die. It's something you get when someone else dies. So your inheritance doesn't begin when you die and go to heaven. Your inheritance began when Jesus died, who was the testator of the will to make the will effective. And then He got back up from the dead to the, be the administrator of His own will to make sure we get what He said we could have, what's in the testament, if you will. Now, you've got to understand which testament you're under and who you are in order to receive some of these things. But when you begin to understand by faith what you are, then you access these tremendous, great, and precious promises which produce for us an absolutely incredible quality of life. And I really believe that the more we have dug into the Word, and the more we preach the gospel of the kingdom, and the more we preach the gospel of grace, that testimonies flow into our office, and uh, people tell us all the time that this message saved my life. It gave me back my life. And uh, I, I think it's, that's why it's called the good news. You know, so many people will criticize some of the ministries that, um, you know, they, they say, well, you know, uh, these guys are feel-good preachers. And, and uh, to which I respond, you should leave church feeling good, because that's why it's called the good news. It's not called the bad news. And what we mostly do is we preach the bad news to people and uh, wonder why they're discouraged. But I'm telling you, when you preach the good news, faith ought to arise in people's lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we're giving people a license to sin, and I'm just really kind of, frankly, uh, you know, tired of defending that. Because the very next scripture, even in Romans the sixth chapter, says, should we continue in sin so grace can abound? God forbid, he says, how can we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? So Romans 6, he begins to tell you that what you need to do is reckon yourselves then indeed dead to sin, but alive to God. You know what happened in the fall of Adam was that and when Adam became sin conscious and yielded his members to sin, he became alive to sin. 
And when he became alive to sin, he was dead to God. But in the opposite, in our rebirth and regeneration, we become alive to God and dead to sin. And so what we begin to understand is that, you know, I think the, the, the mistake that Adam made and so many believers make today, depending on which covenant you preach, is that people think, even believers sometimes, think that God is the source of my pain. And then they think sin is the source of my pleasure. And so what we do is we run from God and we run to sin thinking that's the source of our pleasure when it's frankly the opposite. God is always the source of my pleasure and, and sin is the source of my pain. If you could just kind of get that settled in your heart, you'd run from sin and run to God. Most of our problems are not God-inflicted. They're self-inflicted problems and they are results of bad decisions. And again, in that series where I taught you will recover your life. One of the things that happens in Romans 1 and 2 is that when men won't respond to God through repentance and changing their minds, He simply gives them over. In other words, He allows them to have uh, their free will and choice until they receive in themselves the recompense of their error, which is meat. Or in other words, they begin to reap what they sow, and then that automatically begins to bring them to a place of the breaking. But to say God's the one who did that, I think is, 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 is a mistake. And uh, you know, uh, because He's really, the, He is trying to redeem you. Uh, you know, He came to save you, not just from hell, He came to save you from your sin. And so, uh, you know, He's still saving me. I like to think of it like, you know, when again, we, we use terms like salvation, like, okay, I come to an altar, I get saved, and now i got my ticket, I'm going to heaven. But salvation is an ongoing thing. The Apostle Paul wrote, I believe, in, in Thessalonians and said, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. So salvation is an ongoing process. He is still saving me. Now, the goodness of God ought to lead me to repentance, but if I hardness and impenitent heart, uh, the Scripture says in Romans 2, we treasure up for ourselves wrath against the day of judgment. And while I believe that that wrath had to do with the A.D. 70 uh, events of wrath that fulfilled there, that I also believe that God's wrath is not so much directed towards men as it is towards their sin. And so God's wrath or His judgment is against sin, and Jesus uh, came to, to uh, condemn sin in the flesh when He nailed it to the cross. So the judgment is against sin. What God is doing is He's trying to remove the thing that's killing you. In other words, I think of Him like a good, good father. He's just good. And a father will correct a son, he will correct his children, not because if you do it right, let's put it this way, if you do it right, you're not correcting them because you get something out of it. You know, used to think when my, my mom and dad would say stuff like, this is going to hurt me worse than hurt you, I'm thinking, evidently you ain't on the other end of this. But truly, as a parent now, you can look back and say, man, I really don't want to bring correction to my children. Now, you know, I believe God corrects us through the Word. I believe He corrects us through leadership. I believe He corrects us through uh, instruction and through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe He gives you sickness uh, to correct you. I don't believe He. Uh, he I, I don't believe He's out to get you or to, to or, or any other type of thing like that. Any kind of tragedy. However, some of those things that we experience are not God doing that to us. They are because we did not respond to 
the correction of the Holy Spirit or the correction of the Word. And, you know, my mom used to say, you know, if you don't listen, you're going to have to feel it. Be like, you know, I think a father saying, listen, man, that stove is hot. Don't touch it. And, and warning you and sending people to warn you and, you know, put a sign up over it. It's hot. Don't touch this. But if you touch it and you get burnt, you can't say God did that to you. You did it to yourself, and He's really trying to keep you from touching that stove again. It's amazing to me the patterns that people go through in their life of repeating the same mistakes that keep on giving them the same pain. Now, I want to come over here and talk about the struggle uh, that that happens, and we're going to come at this from Romans, the seventh chapter. I really thought as I started to look into this for these segments, You know, I could go clear back to Romans 5 and then just come up through this, but I think I'm going to jump in here in Romans 7, and uh, verse 17 is where I'm going to jump in and uh, read this to you from the, uh, the Message Bible. It says, But I need something more. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It it happens so regularly, it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything. Nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? As I read this in the Message Bible, I'm thinking, you know, I actually preached this sermon for the first time at my own home church, and I called it Band-Aid Religion, because I'm going to get into some scriptures here that talk about Band-Aid Religion. But uh, I, I think so many people can identify with this roller coaster ride of Romans 7. I want to do good, but evil is present. I delight after what God wants me to do, but I still can't seem to get the victory over it. It, 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 You know, he goes on to say, he said, you know, I obviously need help. Does that resonate with somebody today listening to me? He said, "I, I really realize that I don't have what it takes. See, I think that's step number one to recovery, to recovery of any kind of problems or sin or even addiction. He said, I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, and then I really don't do it. I decide not to do bad, but that's what I do anyway. My decisions, uh, you know, something has gone deeply wrong, and, he, and it happens so regularly that it's predictable. You know, and, and so he said, the question he comes down to, I, I think this so identifies with people. And, you know, we can look at this, you know, not just from the viewpoint of what is sin or what is not sin, probably these particular programs will air sometime late February or into uh, March, and we are probably somewhere around six to eight weeks after the new year. 
many of you probably made New Year's resolutions and even concerning sometimes weight loss programs. And you meant well. You started out on a diet and you went, you, you know, you meant well. You bought that treadmill. And right now that thing's sitting in the corner of your bedroom with clothes hanging over it because it becomes a good clothes hanger. And then about April, you start clearing them out and taking them to Goodwill and other places. I know we have a, a food ministry bank here and we give away clothing, stuff like that. And invariably in the spring, these treadmill exercise machines start showing back up at our church. People get rid of them because all they did was they collected clothing. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with um, um, you know, diet and exercise. I think that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But what I'm saying is our intentions and willpower sometimes is not enough. I think sometimes if we could have helped ourselves, we would have. And so, you know, uh, you know even when you deal, deal with people who are in addiction uh, programs, uh, you know, uh, we, we have relationship with so many people who run like particular, like, uh, you know, drug rehabs or alcoholic uh, programs. And my brother works in our city with a program called Life or Drugs. But when you have an addict that comes to a program, uh, especially I think it is in AA, uh, 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 you know, uh, what they tell you is that you're going to need a higher power because the first thing you have to do is admit that I am powerless over this issue and that I need a higher power. Now in those programs they can't tell you what higher power to choose. But I can tell you this, you know, they say you can you could pick your, your dog or your car or a child or whatever it is that motivates you is your higher power. But I can tell you this, if you picked a car as your higher power, I've never seen anybody in any of these programs that ever got delivered by a Ford or a Chevy. But I have seen him get delivered by turning to Jesus, who could be the strength and the author and the finisher of our faith. See, because that's what this, this whole uh, thing boils down to, and is that he says, you know, uh, he said, I've tried everything. Nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. I, I'm probably talking to somebody today who you've literally come to the end of your rope, maybe with addiction issues, maybe with health issues, maybe with weight loss issues, uh, maybe with struggling with appetites that you can control. No matter what it is, there is something a lot of times that so resonates with us when we read these passages from the book of Romans that all of us somewhere fit in this, uh, this particular thing. I, I've struggled myself over the years with weight issues. And uh, of course, I've, lo I've lost 50 pounds. I know I still have a little bit to go. Uh, and I've kept 45 off for several years now. And, uh, you know, what I had to do was say, listen, man, I, I need the help of Jesus over powerless sometimes over uh, food and appetites and making wrong decisions about that and learning how to hear from the Holy Spirit, even in those things. And so uh, you know, even in my weight loss issues, well, I'll talk about it in just a moment, but, but he says, is there, you know, when he comes to that place, he said, I've tried everything. Nothing helps. Maybe you're there. Maybe you've struggled with some stuff. I mean, everybody has a different issue. We could point our fingers at this guy and say, well, he's got a problem with alcohol. He's got a problem with smoking. He's got a problem with uh, <clears throat> anger management. Oh, he's got a problem with sweets. He's got a problem with, you know, there are struggles that people have in their lives where they come to the place where they said, I have just tried everything and it seems like nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. 
And you get to that place of almost utter desperation. He said, is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Verse 25, though, was so powerful to me. He said, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions, where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Now, I'm thankful that he answers that question by saying, thank God, He will. So the issue, the first step of any kind of recovery, I'm not even talking, (coughs) excuse me, heaven-hell issues. I'm talking simple things like uh, helping me to find moderation in my diet, or, or all of these things can be, you know, less, if you will, detrimental. Perhaps, you know, uh, eating habits are, 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 are not immediately uh, bad things, but in the long term can be. And I personally am enjoying life so much, I want to live it as long and as healthy as I possibly can. And sometimes information can be what helps. But the key issue here is, I think one of the main ingredients that we need to understand in the New Covenant is that Jesus Christ is and does help us with this roller coaster ride when we are at the end of our rope. There is help. And that help is not just external. That help lives and resides inside of you. And that still small voice and the governor called the Holy Spirit can do more in you than a life coach, than a bunch of rules and regulations, the Holy Spirit in you can even begin to change your desires. Uh, I was thinking when I said that where, uh, you know, uh, uh, John 14, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you another. I'm going to send you a helper. Uh, That's a key word. I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is your helper. And, uh, you know, I think many times Christians turn to rules rather than turning to their relationship with Jesus and saying, help me, Holy Ghost. You know, a lot of times uh, people kid me a lot because when I preach, I'll say, help me, Holy Ghost. But I mean that with everything that's inside of me. Help me, Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost is your helper. And even in my own struggle at times where I have struggled with weight over the years, like I said, I lost 50 pounds. I've kept 45 of that off. Uh, But I've had to ask for the help of the Lord. And the Lord simply said to me, even concerning that issue, He said, I want you to do in your diet what you're preaching from the gospel. I said, Lord, I don't know that I'm preaching anything from the gospel that helped me in my diet. And he said, yeah. He said, you know, he said, I want you to overcome not by what you simply give up, but what you add to. See, a lot of times we think about what we got to give up. And I said, well, Lord, you know, tell me what you're talking about. And he took me to the book of Peter where people said we overcome the world and the things that are in this world by adding, hear me now, adding to our faith virtue. And to virtue, he begins to list some things. So he said, when, what you do is you overcome not so much by what you take out, because that's part of it. It'll fall away, but by what you add to. And I started adding, the Lord said, actually, I want you to eat more. I said, eat more, Lord. He said, yeah, I want you to eat more. And I said, well, I'm on board with this. He said, but I want you to eat more of the right stuff. And so I began to add stuff to my diet 
that I did not normally eat. Like, you know, I started eating grilled fish and started to develop a taste for it. Started adding more vegetables. I started adding more salads. I started adding more healthy stuff. And in the process, uh, I began to uh, not be as hungry then because I was adding to my diet the right stuff, and then the other stuff began to fall off. And there were some things that you consciously, I began to consciously remove from my diet, especially sweet drinks. When I realized that there was 300 calories in, in one soft drink, I thought, well, my Lord, you can drink three Cokes and have, have half your calories. I'd rather have a sandwich than I would that. So I started adding water. It became healthier issues. In other words, simple step life changes. And I think sometimes we make these huge commitments. We go gung-ho and we mean to, so we go on this really big diet the first of the year and we just give up everything all at one time and then we crash and burn because we've starved ourselves to the point now we got to respond. And so, uh, but when you begin to make simple steps one at a time through the help of the Holy Spirit, and begin to add some things, maybe in areas where you have had addiction, uh, you know, um, you know, for instance, you, you may have to, instead of going outside and smoking a cigarette, you might have to pour yourself a cup of coffee and give you that same feeling of I'm taking a break with that cup of coffee. Uh, and, and let the Holy Spirit begin to direct you in some of those things, because He will come in and do that. Now, Romans 8 begins by saying this, it says, with the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is dissolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under the continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. I want to simply bring this program to an end by saying this. The King James Bible said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And when I think about condemnation, that doesn't mean there's not some things that are wrong. It just means that you've not been convicted and condemned and a sentence passed. Like if you have a criminal, you say he's a condemned felon. Uh, there's no sentence passed because you're not under law, you're under grace. And I also think, and what I really want to emphasize is that there is a, uh, uh, you know, like if you uh, have a house that's been flooded, they will say, they will mark on that house, it's condemned, it is uninhabitable, uninhabitable. So when I'm thinking about there's therefore now no condemnation, he's saying to you, you are still inhabitable. You're not condemned. Jesus wants to move into your life. He wants to change you. He wants to do uh, in your life what you could not do for yourself. So trust the power of the Holy Spirit. Invite Him in and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to change your appetites, change your desires, change your habits, and you'll begin to see things begin to shift in your life. Uh, just invite Him in right now. We just pray, Father God, for people right now who are struggling, that you will give them the, the power and the help of the Holy Spirit to bring the changes in their lives. In Jesus' name. If you enjoyed today's program, we're about out of time. Take a moment to call that number on the screen or go to the website. Sow a seed into the ministry. It's your faithful partnership in giving. that helps us take the gospel of grace and the gospel of the kingdom around the world. If you don't get an answer, uh, you know, you, you could call back or leave a message. Someone will return your call because we have a limited amount of staff. But we do thank you and appreciate your giving and your response to the ministry. God bless you. Thank you again. Tune in again next week at the same time as we continue this series. The word repentance means to change your mind. 
The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.